Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Adam from Toronto, and I support Creative Control because Vish is full stop one of the best arts interviewers in Canada, or anywhere in the world, really. He approaches every episode like he's known the artist for years, creating a conversational atmosphere that gets straight to the heart of the work. No one else in podcasting gets it quite right like he does, with a mixture of meticulous research, wise artistic insights, and well-humored personal connections. I proudly support Vish and Creative Control on Patreon. You should, too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Andy Schaff is a talented songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, singer, and producer currently based in Toronto, Ontario. Originally from Saskatchewan, Schaff plays in a band called Fox Warren, but has been releasing critically acclaimed music under his own name since about 2006. On February 10th, 2023, the record labels Anti and Arts and Crafts co-release Schaff's fascinating and ambitious new album, Norm, which marks a departure from his recent string of semi-autobiographical records and is instead a fictional character study. Andy returns to this show to discuss things like Toronto life and lying on the floor of his studio sometimes, famous norms in history, the unsavory aspects of the norm that he himself invented and the inspiration for and making of Norm the record, whether or not there's an Andy Schaff multiverse, seeking inspiration from George Saunders and narrative counsel from his own friend there, Nicholas Olson, making a synthesizer-based album and working with the prestigious engineer Neil Pogue to mix Norm, the concepts of God and Seinfeldia, touring again, other future plans, and much more. 
a part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, an amazing record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly staff who will happily help you find whatever it is you're looking for. Say you want to order uh, the new Andy Schaff album, Norm. Well, you just go to blackbird.ca, you type in Andy Schaff and Norm, and then it'll show up, and it'll, you can figure out if you can order it, and, and, and it'll come to your house, or you can figure out if you can get to Edmonton or Calgary and, and get a copy of Norm. It's that simple. Go to blackbird.ca for more info. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 753 of Creative Control. Once again, featuring the lovely and talented Andy Schaff with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Andy. How's it going? Good. How are you, Vish? I'm well. I'm well. Th- thank you. Thank you for uh, being back on the show. Uh, where in the world are you today? I'm in my studio in Toronto once again. Yes. This is where you often are when we are chatting. And uh, I don't know if this is the same vantage point I've always had, but it looks... Have you been... Have you gussied it up? Have you done something different with the place? I... Yeah. It's a new arrangement. I like to rearrange it like every few months but i finally have it to a, a, a place where it's functional mm. everything is in a useful spot and there's a ton of space like it's a it's a two car garage yeah but it's always like there's piles of stuff from touring cases and like it's always stacked up i would move my camera but this is a podcast so yeah no it's not necessary you don't have to do that yeah yeah. Anyways, now it's beautiful and I have a couch in here and it's like I've been in here for like three years and I don't know why I never made it nice. You say you've been in there three years. My sense of things is that you've been spending a lot more time in that space in the last the last few years in particular. Is that fair? Are you spending are you there like every day almost or what? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Is is it almost every day? Oh, it's definitely every day. Okay. Yeah. So you, but you don't, do you have like a, do you sleep there? Do you, do you hang out there? Uh, if you, if you don't want to go home? I have slept here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's not, there's no windows. So you just yeah. wake up in the dark mm. and you don't know what time it is. And it's awful. I haven't slept here since I quit drinking. We'll say we'll say that. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Which was how long ago? That we talked about this maybe the last time you were on, or the second last time you were on. So how long ago uh, was that again that you quit drinking? Like two and a half years. Okay, so you're saying that you would be in some sort of uh, what do they call it in Toronto? A drunken stupor, and you would just stay. That's what they call it. That's what it's a. I think it's trademarked as a Toronto term. Uh, you would be in one yeah. of your drunken stupors, and then you would stay in the studio. But if you're lucid. And sober, you head home. Uh, you, you make you leave it as an office space, 
and you head home yeah. for some respite from your work. Is that is that a way of putting it? Yeah, it's mostly I decide at a reasonable hour it's time to go to bed, so I walk home instead of like I used to sometimes just I'd be listening to what I'm working on and I'd lay on the ground. Then it's game over. You'd lay on the ground. You wouldn't even lay on any kind of bedding cushion. Well, I didn't have. <laughs> I didn't have anything. <laughs> so yeah, I just th- lay on the ground. I think. I think some uh, chiropractors, osteopaths, would applaud your decision to lay on the ground. Hard surface, true. Good for your uh, lower back and, and other parts of your body. So, well, I mean, it's a testament to your uh, dedication to your craft. Let's put it that way. Uh, and not suggest you're some yeah. sort of workaholic. You're not a workaholic, right? You can leave the work behind. Yeah, it's... I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Non-committal. This isn't an intervention, by the way. I uh, I just yeah. wanted to uh, <laughs> ask about this. So, no, it's good. It, it does sound... By the way, it sounds like you're getting up to lots of great work. You've put out another... Uh, wonderful record, or you will be as we're speaking. It's not quite out yet. Uh, it's called uh, Norm. Uh, congratulations on 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 this record. Uh, how are you feeling about it? I know it hasn't quite circulated yet uh, to the general public and to the critics uh, and stuff. But how are you feeling about it? I feel good about it. I'm uh, yeah. I worked on it really hard, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. One of our colleagues uh, who's heard the record told me that they think it's your absolute best record. Can you possibly be objective about that? Does it feel... I also know, talking to musicians, the latest thing you do feels like the the most exciting thing, uh, the most satisfying thing, because you're, yeah. you're on a trajectory. But objectively, does it feel like... Do you feel like it's your, your, your best record yet? I think that it's probably the record that I have worked the hardest on and focused on the most specific details of like I worked really hard on the lyrics I worked really hard on the music everything in between the songs yeah I think it's yeah it's the best that I've done whether people will like it the most it's up to them but well, I yeah. I texted a friend, uh, a mutual friend, uh, about the record. Uh, I was listening to it. Uh, I think it was just yesterday that I texted them and I said, "You know who seems like a pretty nefarious character is that Norm fellow." I uh, <laughs> I felt I, I got a little creeped out. What happened was I was playing the record in the kitchen a few weeks ago, and my wife heard it. We were cooking, I think, and as the lyrics started to permeate. Uh, she, she's like, this doesn't sound good. I mean, and I, and I don't mean like sonically or as a musical expression. She's like, this character doesn't seem Mm -hmm. very nice or good. It seems a little creepy. And then I started to listen more. I'm like, yeah, this does seem a little creepy. What is your perspective on the character of Norm? First of all, because I got excited. I thought Norm, it must be about Norm MacDonald or, uh, I recently on the TV, there was a, uh, cheers marathon. Uh, that I just, I watched all the way, I watched a chunk of it. They did it in chronological order. And uh, I thought oh. of Norm Peterson. I thought of famous Norms. Oh, yeah. But that's not the Norm that you were thinking of. Is that a fair way of putting it? Those That's aren't. a fair way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Norm is an apparition. I mean, you've, you've created Norm. Yeah. yeah. Norm is not based on any of the great 
norms that come to mind. <laughs> this this norm is a uh, yeah a little bit of a uh, he's not a great guy. Is that the, is that that's the end all and be all? We want people to discover norm for themselves, of course. But uh, what inspired yeah. the, the character of of Norm? Because in your uh, brilliant narrative songwriting, we often get a little bit of creepiness, a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least, uh, in your case, I would say, because there's so such semi autobiographical uh, content, we get a sense of self effacement, and I can't believe what an idiot I am, kind of motifs sometimes. But this feels more like a character study of someone who thinks they're okay but aren't. Do you know where this kind of came from for you? Yeah, I mean it. It was definitely an attempt at departing from the semi-autobiographical writing. I was alone for like two years, so there wasn't really much to write about. But I wrote the second, no, the third song on the record is called Telephone. And it's, at the time I was talking on the telephone with someone, but I was really hating talking on the telephone so I decided to write a song about the telephone and talking on the phone. But when I got to the very, well, when I got to the second verse, the lyrics, I decided to make it so that the person who was calling and longing for the telephone was standing in the trees, like looking through the window. Oh, okay. But so it, it's, if you listen to the song, once you'll probably think oh this is a really nice song about like longing for love but if you listen closely all the way through you're going to pick up the second verse that it's it's uh yeah not a not a nice tale but it sounds really nice it sounds like a romantic song it sounds you got to pay attention you know at best at the very best you could say it's voyeuristic which i think has a negative connotation in itself uh, but it is, uh, yeah, we're getting into with this character, and I don't want to spill too many beans. We get the sense that he's observing someone specific, uh, and they may not be aware that they're being observed. Is that a good way to kind of explain that song in particular? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that is an interesting and dark twist. I guess where I'm coming from, having established that I thought, I think Norm might be unsavory, uh, do you know where this darkness came from this kind of Hitchcockian Cone Brothers like I don't know this just seems like uh, that in that realm and I know there's certainly songwriters we could cite too but I as you know Andy uh, for some reason uh, your writing hits me in a very visual way a very vivid way I always want to I can because of my history with film and television I kind of that's just how my mind processes your work I, I see every scene with like made up actors mm-hmm. and characters. So yeah. Do you know where this darkness kind of came from? Like why go dark for you at this point? I don't know. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I really like. Like Fargo's probably my favorite movie. I'm a big fan of the true crime stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's where it, like I wrote that song and I thought, hey, this is a... I mean, initially, I had the concept for the album was that it was 
just going to be called Norm. And I like wrote it at the top of a page, like Norm. And this is going to be, I wanted to make a normal record where it wasn't stories. And eventually I started, I mean, I wrote that song and I was like, hey, this could be Norm. Huh. And so that's kind of, that's where that idea came from in the songs. I'm not sure why I had that idea that I wanted to make it about <laughs> such an unsavory character, but yeah. So you say Norm, and I did pick up on that too. I thought of normies, like the way we talk about normalcy these days, um, in exploring or wanting to explore normalcy, like so, so much so that you wrote it down. And I will just tell you, like mm-hmm. that's a that's a definitive thing that you've when you write something down after it percolates for a while, that's serious. Now your hand and your brain, you're getting serious. You're writing down norm. <laughs> Does this reflect a sense uh, of yourself? Like, do you do you think of yourself as weird? I mean, I know that I am kind of a weird guy, but I'm trying so hard to fit in with the normies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not, uh, by the way, you'll notice, I didn't say I think you're weird. Uh, I think I'm yeah. a little weird. It was implied. No, but... no, but I mean, if you're exploring normalcy, that's where, that's, I didn't mean to imply anything. I asked, uh, as you know, if everyone, let the record yeah. show, I simply asked Andy <laughs> if he thought he himself was weird without, without implying anything, I think. Again, we can play the tape back. I, I think I'm pretty normal, but then I talk to other people and they don't seem to share that idea. In this day and age, it's not that abnormal for a musician to uh, hole up in a studio, occasionally lie on the floor because they're so exhausted, mm-hmm. but to play every instrument themselves, it's not that unusual. I talk to many musicians who do this. However, there's still a novelty to that for me that a uh, someone who's used to playing with a, you have a live band often. You're not, you're a solo artist, but you often have collaborators that is not normal on some level like i just said it is more normal but it is also unusual would you say Mm -hmm. for one person to be like i'm just going to play everything and build a song from scratch myself it's harder than assembling a isn't it harder than assembling a band together in a room and getting a a bed track down well for me it's easier because i have a really hard time communicating (laughs) in a normal way yeah (laughs) (laughs) so for me it's really simple and it's that's also kind of I've always done it that way like I started recording like that in high school right and it was just way easier than finding someone else who could play it so at this point more normal so you've made what some might think uh as weird uh, moves and ideas you've through time over time made them normal like it's not it's not unusual for you to to go about your business in this way. I guess is what you're saying. I guess, yeah. Now you've also, <laughs> I, am I doing a good job of explaining who you are to the people? I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have over we've we've hinted at the semi autobiographical nature of some of your previous works. Before I go much further, has that? I don't think it has been because we've had several conversations about your work. You don't think that's been overblown, do you? This notion that we're getting a an off-kilter side 
of Andy Schaff or or things he's observed in his life or experienced in his life. Has that been overblown, do you think? Like people think that these songs are closer to my real life than they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's probably been somewhat overblown, but at the same time, I think that the songs, when I wrote them, I thought they were more fictional than they were. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's I think, right. Yeah, it took some space from them to realize that I was essentially making, yeah, semi-autobiographical right. songs. Right. So, where I, okay, so that's fair. I just wanted you to clarify that because I didn't want to hit that too hard. Uh, if you were like, yeah, people keep saying this and it is, kind of, I mean, you, the thing is you are kind of the master of your own fate on some level in terms of how people uh, interpret and perceive what you do only in that there's usually a bio and press cycles and things like that. Um, the records mm-hmm. are open for interpretation, but I think you've been pretty open about um, how you've experienced things with people, uh, romantic relationships or other kinds of interpersonal relationships. Again, we've talked about your, um, the drinking and, and I think we talked about fitness and things like that. So I think all of these things can't help but inform the work you make. That's fair, right? Mm-hmm. You said, I've been kind of alone by myself for three years. So it's just you mm-hmm. and yourself. Does that indicate that you didn't have a uh, kind of fodder? You didn't have the experiential fodder to draw upon uh, to, to make a new record because you weren't really doing much of anything and interacting with people, so you had to kind of create uh, this narrative about something, I think, purely fictional. Is that is that accurate? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, well, definitely. But I think in order to make something that was, you know, I made the party, and that was when I was partying a lot, and then I made the skyline, and that was when I was going to the skyline a lot. Yeah. And uh, it kind of clicked in my brain, like, I think you have to depart from your own life if you are wanting to progress in your storytelling. So it was kind of handy that I had nothing going on in my personal life to be able to more naturally leave it to write something. But yeah, I mean... If you're trying to write from your imagination, but you're always basing it just on your reality, you're not ever stepping far enough away from yourself to make new tracks, I guess. Yeah. We, we live in a bit of a meta age. Uh, when As you're speaking, I'm thinking of a... Are you familiar with the comedian Tim Heidecker at all? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So t- from Tim and Eric and uh, all sorts of things uh, on cinema, uh, it's innumerable, all the things, but... One of the things about Tim, he has like a sta- a bad stand-up comedian character. Everyone is always named Tim Heidecker uh, when mm. he's doing his own projects. When he when he's guest starring on other people's stuff, he plays characters. But it's a really interesting universe he's created, and he's also a, a, a sincere musician. Um, like he makes sincere records; they're not jokes. And he's Tim Heidecker, so he's cultivated a like this universe about Tim Heidecker and if you're a fan of his and a follower you're kind of in on all of it but if not you're kind of never sure who Tim Heidecker is now you don't do that per se you're not I can't think of it well maybe I'm wrong here has your name been invoked in your songs before has Judy has anyone said your name 
No. No. So no. that is that purposeful? Um yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean because I've always wanted the narrator to be a character, you know, I've never intended that it was me. Even though it's in looking back very semi-autobiographical, that was not the intent at all. I see. You know, okay, because yeah. but your you know your fans because I've told you about this. I I hear when you're on the show, I usually hear from your fans more than anyone else's fans, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. And they they want insight and they they find you mysterious, and they think you're in the songs, uh, mm-hmm. and in some cases they know you're in the songs. So all I'm getting at is there there is a whether if this is out of your control. There is a perception up until Norm. There's been a perception that from your audience that they're getting to know you from your records. Uh, this will mm-hmm. dispel that, but I think you, maybe you're saying beyond even not feeling like you were going to elevate yourself as a songwriter, this, this will inevitably create some more distance between you and other people, like this record, because it's not really about you, and we're going to go on, you've gone on the record saying that. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't imagine you've thought about this much, but that's just an interesting conundrum you're in. Um, <laughs> you know, in, in- <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, at every show that I play, people ask, who's Judy or who's Jimmy? And to that one, I have to say, that's not what the character's name was. I just pronounced it badly. But, <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't my intent that people would hear these songs and think that they're getting to know me ever because however semi autobiographical they've been they're not they're not about me they're usually about the secondary character so right. right um yeah it's weird and with this record norm being such an unsavory character and i've kind of treated him the same way so yeah i'm a little bit there is part of me that's wondering how people are going to interpret it whether they're going to think that i am norm or you know yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. We're in a weird uh, spot in terms of separating the art from the artist, um, because uh, some of us have lived with uh, a person's creation for thirty odd years, forty years, whatever it's been, and recognizing that it's it's a it's a it's a creation. It's it's just something they manifested. But then their personal life details come out, and then there's this like, well, and uh, I'm I'm referring to ones that are bad, negative. Mm -hmm. And what happens then is people reevaluate the art from like the 70s or 80s or 90s, and they say, well, the writing was on the wall. He was they were telling. It's often a he, to be honest. They were telling us who they were, and that thing. So that's just a weird thing. With I'm not. I don't think you're norm. <laughs> I want to, I want to say that unequivocally. But that's where that's a weird knot we're in too where people don't separate the art from the artist. And I think as I say when I I'm not saying I hear anything negative, but I I do get the sense with your fan base, some of them. And often, you know, you can't generalize about an audience based on the most vocal members of it because often mm-hmm. they I don't even want to say anything cuz they'll get mad at me. But uh you know, people when people make comments on things, you have to on your YouTube or whatever, you have to be like, who has the time to do that? You just question that part of it as well, right? The the rationality yeah. of the people. Anyway, my point is, uh, 
you say you're curious about how it's going to go. Does that art separating the art from the artist thing resonate with you? Like uh, in terms of your own art or people you're fans of where you've had to do that compartmentalization because you love a movie or a TV show, but also recognize that the people involved or the main creators were like a little dodgy or dicey. Right. Yeah. I don't know where I stand on that kind of stuff. (laughs) It's tricky. You know, there's a lot of like Woody Allen movies that I love and I'm not going to not love them. Yeah. I guess I grew up, I grew up renting every Woody Allen movie from the library. I would, up until a certain point, have seen everyone when it's been theatrically released. When I was of age to do that, you know, um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's some. You could tell who I was talking about. That's interesting in itself. Um, but he's not. He's <laughs> not the only one. I mean, how many comedians and musicians who have made work that was celebrated at the time are now kind of relegated to whatever? You know, like. Mm-hmm. I understand where people are coming from, but this is all I'm getting at is you're separating yourself. Your semi-autobiographical self, uh, in this case, and 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 departing from that into norm is just an interesting decision because you've gone from, uh, hey, but but it's funny because I have assumed <laughs> for a long time that people were interpreting my, you know, I did a lot of interviews and shows where people are like, "Who's Judy?" Yes, and I'm like, "That's funny." Because these are fictional songs. Obviously, I was not completely understanding that people were interpreting them pretty much as just me. So I assumed all along, like, I am writing fictional songs. So when I started writing this album, I didn't think about it really at all, like that this was a switch because this is what I've always done. Wendell Walker, if you know that song, that wasn't me. That didn't happen to me. Yeah. There was just, there was a point where my writing became more semi-autobiographical than I wanted it to be. Right. And then people kind of latched onto that. And now I'm back on track doing what I was hoping that I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which is just making stories. So yeah, it's a bit of a, it's tricky, but I didn't, I'm doing what I thought I was always doing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 So you, do you think it's fair to suggest that you've written songs about unrequited love, uh, longing, these sorts of things Mm -hmm. in the past? I mean, you have, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Yes. Let's let's say you oh I mean regret, relationship regret. Like these things come up as themes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let me put this to you. Is Norm the absolute norm as a character, as an idea? That's the absolute extreme of that, isn't it? The absolute extreme of delusion about relationships. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's the absolute extreme of yeah, one side misinterpreting what love is i guess or like a big misunderstanding of love and yeah societally if i may get a little uh pretentious we are in a communication breakdown zone uh i i in my lifetime i've never seen anything quite like this 
a lot of this was happening uh, prior to this pandemic and prior to uh, this revelation about what people are truly like. Uh, do you think some of this stuff that's been floating in the air in terms of human interpersonal connection and just not listening to each other or, or reading signals, do you think that might inform this batch of songs? Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. Like, this is a weird time for being able to access people without ever having to have them know that you're accessing them. Yes, lurking. They call it yeah. on the they, on the internet, the, the kids, the children, they call it lurking. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's an interesting thing. It's a surveillance state. Yes. Yeah. And that is one of Norm's sort of main, uh, what is the word? Modus operandi is a lot of surveilling. Yeah. One-sided, observ- of- one-sided observation, yeah. A lot, yeah, like Norm assumes that what's happening in his head is happening in real life, maybe. Yeah. And I think that's really common right now. It is right now. You said something earlier that I think is relevant to what we're talking about right now. You said you were uh, on the telephone and you didn't like being on the telephone. So you put the telephone down and wrote a song about being on the telephone. Sorry, expand upon that. Why didn't you, beyond what the, I don't care about the content of the call. I thought you were speaking generally about just being on a telephone. Is that what you were getting at? Is that why you didn't want to be on the telephone? Because it's such a weird experience to actually have a phone call with someone these days? I mean, it's more relationally tricky than that. <laughs> okay. <but>. <laughs> you <laughs> didn't want to be a, you didn't want to be having the, the call you were having is what you're saying. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, there were long phone calls. They were they were good. I don't want we to pry. I, I don't. I keep I keep getting into trouble <laughs> on your podcast. Do you? Have you ever gotten in trouble on the podcast? <laughs> I saying, do. Did you really? It's because I say I say stupid shit and then people hear it. But how would anyone? You're speaking so generally. How would anyone know that that's the phone call you're talking about? Like how would the other? Like I only know I only know a few people, you know. Oh, I see. So they put. <laughs> I heard you saying you didn't like being on the telephone with me, and that was me. Like they can figure that out. That's how few people you talk to on the telephone. Yeah. Okay. All right. Listen. I is where were you going with the telephone? Like this is an obsolete uh, yes. medium. Yes. Yeah. That's you knew exactly where I was going with it. It is of a. T- yeah. So that's why the person who. I was talking to on the telephone is going to know, you know, how often do you talk on the telephone? Well, I've been, I, I like to say I've been trying to talk to people more on the telephone. Uh, it's not really yeah. in practice. I was just uh, a colleague of mine in the Chicago has called me, uh, who's like in the publicity game has called me three times uh, this over this past week. And we don't ever do that. We mostly just exchange mm-hmm. quick emails. Here's the stuff. I think people are trying to, like I say, I, I I like to say I'm talking to people more on the telephone. And what that means is every once in a while, I will out of the blue call someone and I can tell beyond it being me that they're annoyed to hear from. It's such a foreign <laughs> experience. Like, hello, Vish? Yeah. And I go, yeah, hey, how's it going? Good. Is everything all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm just calling to say hello. Oh, most people say, hey, they'll send a text. Hey, can I call you? 
or an email. Yeah. Can I call you? So it's a little bit of an old school connection thing. I live in Alberta now. I miss some of my Ontario friends. I just call them. I call my parents when I go shopping because uh, the mm-hmm. uh, my the minivan and the phone interact. It's amazing. You plug the phone in and then it goes to the car and you just talk as you're driving. It's hands-free. It's great. 2023 is amazing. Anyway, I call people like that every <laughs> once in a while and you can tell they're a little like, oh, a phone call. So, so mm-hmm. all this to say, I am trying to create more human conversation things with some people, but I don't do it enough is where, where I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm doing this all the time. Anyway, the real mm-hmm. point of why I bring this up is, you write a song about a telephone. So what I wonder about is, yes, there's lots of contemporary resonance. Uh, we've talked about a few things already, but in your mind, does this story of Norm take place in a different time? Uh, a time gone by? There's some old-fashioned elements to it uh, that I pick up on. Some, rom- some, the darker side of romantic courtship, for example. The really, really darker side. I shouldn't even call it that. It's... The word I'm avoiding is stalking, mm-hmm. but but these are like these are kind of in a sense they're age old motifs, and then you have someone uh, on a telephone, which is outmoded technology. Again, I'm blathering on. For you, Andy, is this from a certain time and place, or is this did this feel like a now story? For me, I was picturing it as being a now story, but you're right. Like if it was. If I had written it being really in the now, this would be a lot more texting yeah, than calling, I guess. So, well, yeah. we just had this thing about, uh, there's this, have you, seen, have you uh, heard tell of all this narrative about uh, doxing? Uh, the Elon Musk character on Twitter complaining that he gets doxed because... Uh, I'm, s- no. Yeah, you I'm stay, pretty- it's fine. But do you know what doxing is? Yeah, I think so. So doxing, just for those, uh, let's okay. You tell you tell me. I'll tell you if, if it's right. So doxing <laughs> is, is basically if someone, uh, uh, for uh, nefarious purposes, reveals the uh, personal information, including usually the home address, phone number, contact details of someone that they are upset with or uh, want to cause harm to. Uh, that's what my right. understanding of doxing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that was yeah. informative. Good. Thank so you. what people uh, comedically have pointed out is the yellow pages. The phone book mm-hmm. used to come to all of our house. And I don't do you, are you old enough to remember the big phone books, Andy? Oh yeah. Like the yeah. the giant phone book. And so what the joke was if you go to the white pages by last name every single person <laughs> almost you could see not only their phone number but their address. And in your story you have someone uh Again, if we go by the, I don't know the history of Norm and this person, except that they don't seem to have ever really interacted. Somehow he's got this person's phone number, mm-hmm. uh, which these days is very tricky to get unless you give it to someone. It's, I, we agree cell phones harder to get the number, uh, using whatever 411 or whatever. It's harder, right? I think that's fair. Yeah. Now, see, yeah. I've become, I'm getting a little Columbo about this and I, I don't I mean, mean there's, do you want the de- the details? Yes. I mean, I I went. You know, this is very in the song. There's a later song on the record where oh, it's Halloween store where Norm's he's imagining meeting the person in the aisle, and he says, "Hi, I'm Norm. I think we've maybe met once before." And in song two, oh right, okay. Song two, anyways. 
they've met before. They have mutual friends. This is a uh, not so disconnected. Well, but the Halloween store is a great example of of you bending reality because he imagines this interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, you've done. I don't want to spill too many beans on the one hand, but I also have you here, and I'm excited because I think you've done a lot of interesting misdirection stuff, and and I think a running theme to uh, call back to what we've been talking about in terms of your previous records is this sense of is this real or isn't it? Did this happen mm-hmm. or or did it not happen? Is just just a conjuring. That appeals to you, yes? Like, as a writer, this narrative of, like, not giving people the full details, but giving them, like, a sketch, a glimmer of something. Yeah. And I think there was a point where I really got off track with trying to give all the details. Mm. And on this record, there was a point where I realized I don't have to... Like, the record, if you interpret it how I wrote it, it ties up really nicely, but there was a point where I realized I don't have to make it so easy to figure out. Like, yeah, it's okay to leave room for interpretation. And with with the party, I did that kind of by accident because I just wrote it all and went, oh, this kind of fits, yeah. you know, more yeah. or less. And then the skyline, I was like, I'm going to write a story start to finish, and it's... There's no mystery to it, so I'm finally getting back to realizing that you don't have to spell it out completely. Well, and I also, <laughs> I also like that you talk about how, like Halloween Store, if I may pull it up here just for a second, pardon me, uh, appears, uh, it's the seventh song on the record, and you allude to the fact that temporarily um, it may gain, a, you, you may gain a window uh, into uh, this character and the dynamic he's trying to create, you don't get that sort of glimmer until seven songs in. I mean, there's other glimmers of of interaction and whatnot, of course. And there's, I want to also say that within all this fantastical, dark stuff, a lot of humor. Mm-hmm. The Halloween store one made me laugh. Like uh, the verses about just the character. That's Norm going to the Halloween store, getting high, doing all that stuff. Yeah. See, yeah. Norm. <laughs> Norm's, you know, he lives a life. He's he's it's a not, normal enough. It's not all darkness. Normie, yeah. <laughs> Except he seems disorganized. He just remembers it's Halloween, so you better go to the Halloween store. Well, it creeps up at the last you, minute, you know. <laughs> and there's some great humor in it too. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Except that, oh yeah, in a in a in a sort of narrative structure, you have made it so the temporality isn't linear. Mm-hmm. On, on, is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, I like a, like a mystery. Like the the more you delve into this mystery of the record, the more details you get. Yeah, like in writing it, I had to have all of the lyrics open and fix the details. Obviously, no one can see me moving my arm. <laughs> Well, we can hear it. Everyone can hear yeah. you moving your arm up and down like you're doing some sort of shoulder stretch or exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you know, it is it is a linear story, but you are going to have to listen about a hundred times or read the lyrics or... Yeah. There's details that you need early on that you get later on and yeah. 
I fully encourage everyone to read the lyrics at least once through as they're listening because it does it does help things pop. It did for me anyway. I, I like to read lyrics as I'm listening to a singer. Um, so it does come across as a story. You got some help with the story editing. Is that correct? Yeah, I sent it to... I sent just the lyrics to my friend Nick Olson, who's a writer, and I gave him kind of no explanation, just sent him the document and said, hey, what do you what do you get from this? Because, you know, I it was like weeks on end of me just working on the lyrics and trying to get it to work musically so that the lyrics sounded right and lyrically so that they made sense with the thing that I was picturing in my head. But at a certain point, I realized I can't know if this is working unless I send it to someone who doesn't know what it's supposed to do. Mm. So he sent me back like, I think it's this. And I went, shit, I have to change a couple things. I sent it back and he went, I think it's this. And I was like, no, changed it again. It took a, a few times going back and forth for me to, for him to tell me what I wanted it to tell him, I guess. What? Can you elaborate upon at least one of those? I think it's this. I'm just curious what he saw, what you presented. And again, I, I imagine you might feel a little self-conscious about revealing what you, you seem to recognize he was correct, uh, that you made some sort of narrative error perhaps. But, um, I'm just curious, like, is there something you can, was there a direction you were taking something that he was like, no, this would make more sense in a narrative, uh, on a narrative uh, level? Why don't you try that? Like, is there something specific you can think of? There was, after he correctly guessed what it was or whatever, <laughs> he had some suggestions like you should, you know, there's a, there's a line in long throw about a big laugh and he suggested me using that again. And I did to just tie things up a little bit better. Oh, I see. Okay. But his initial interpretations that weren't right, it was specific details that would throw him in a certain direction, and I had to address those. Oh, okay. So something on the page uh, you re- realized could be misinterpreted to the listener or the public reader. Yeah. Uh, based on Nick Nick's... Okay, I get it now. Would we know Nick's work? Um, I'm sorry if I'm... Uh, his name's not coming to me right now. Would we know anything he's done? Um... Probably not. He's a really good writer. He's tour managed for me a few times and sold merch. He's got a blog called, I don't even know if he uses it anymore, but it used to be called Balls of Rice. Balls of Rice. Okay. All right. He's he's just a generally a good guy, good writer. Okay. Not not necessarily a published author uh, from some big company or something like that. Yeah. He's done a lot of uh, self-publishing. Uh, okay, so so you get this time. Now, I appreciate that you approach making a record as a songwriter would. You're writing lyrics down. Given the narrative aspect of your work, and I know this might be getting tiresome for you because I keep saying this every time you're on the show about how I feel like, couldn't you just make a script? And I, I feel like you have that in you to do like an actual uh, a script that gets turned into some sort of visual, you know, a, a TV show or a... A film. So I, I apologize for uh, flattering you once again <laughs> and suggesting that I, I'm not dissatisfied with your career path. I'm not your guidance counselor. I, I'm telling you, you're doing well. 
Is there any part of uh, any part of this process as you're contemplating norm where you do like kind of outline a script before you start digging into let's call each song a scene, if you will. Mm -hmm. Do you do any of that kind of like uh, I'm just going to flesh this out. Does this story work? Does it have a middle a beginning, middle and end that I can count on? And then I, I, I structure the songs around that. Do you do any anything like that? I have started a little bit. Working on this record was definitely like the weeks that I was only working on the lyrics, I really enjoyed. And it wasn't like, I I don't know, I think it was, I've always found just writing to be really intimidating. And then I read this book, George Saunders' A Swim in a Pond in the Rain. Yeah. And it was like, he's basically just like, Oh, you just got to start writing. And it was like, wow, that's right. So I did. And yeah, it's very exciting what you can do without the limitations of music. <laughs> so you just started writing a story ostensibly. I mean, yeah, I've just, I've been like trying to just write every once in a while. And I would oh, like okay. to do so that. Is that... Is that subsequent to making Norm, or did that process, that that new view of how you could create, did that inform Norm? Um, no, but okay. after I was finished with Norm and that work that I did to get the lyrics to work, I read Swimming Upon in the Rain and was like, oh, oh I see. that's what I did with Norm. Maybe oh, I could I write. Uh, maybe I could write a story. I don't know. I think, like, again, I don't, does it make you uncomfortable when I say that I think you're capable of that? I don't see how it possibly could. It's a compliment for, Andy, no. get off my back. I'm always <laughs> complimenting you and you yell at me. I can hear, I can seething rage. No one I'm can sorry. see you, but uh, am I, no, I'm kidding. He's got a pleasant look on his face. He's very happy. But I, I, I hope you don't view this as tiresome, my encouragement no. in this regard. No. Thank you for the encouragement. No, you're welcome. You. My guidance counselor duties are fulfilled. <laughs> I can't be the only one who's picked up on this uh, this thread of talent that uh, I, I think is within you. Do other people say this to you? Uh, no, just me. Not just you. I am the most encouraging force in your life. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you come on the show for affirmation. No, it's it's. I just think that's there, and it's. I appreciate. I do think it's interesting that for guidance, you sent this to a writer, not necessarily a lyricist. Because mm -hmm. I've other, I've had other people. I had that band uh, Kiwi Junior on uh, last year about their new record, and in that conversation, uh, it was brought up that um, for some help, they sent uh, lyrics to John K. Sampson, a oh, very wow. noted song songwriter in Canada. Uh, for those who don't know, was the leader of the Weaker Thans, has solo pursuits, and appears uh, on uh, Christine Fellow's latest record. Christine was on the show recently. If you want to go look that up, it was a good conversation. So they take a, because they respect John K. Sampson's lyricism so much, uh, who also delves into narrative songwriting, I would say, uh, in a lot of ways, the same way you do, in a sense, not in a overarching album concept way, but each of his songs can be a little story. They send it to him, and he sends some feedback back. It is interesting to me that you probably could have done that, sent them to a lyrical colleague, like a colleague who does lyrics, I mean. Yeah. You chose a narr you chose a, a narrative writer, is that how you describe Nick? Yeah. Well, 
Nick writes, he writes a lot of essays. He writes a lot of like poems. He writes a lot of short stories as well. And he's kind of just a close friend and he's, I see. he's my close friend who I talk about storytelling with. And I don't have friends who are like writers. So I don't know. It didn't cross my mind to, uh, Usually lyrics are pretty vague. John K. Sampson's lyrics are different. I don't yes. know him, and he scares he scares me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> if know. you need uh, if you need any connects, you reach out to your guidance counselor Vish, cool. and I will look through my Rolodex and see if I can help you. Because I I'm just saying I I like that it is nice that you aren't just spending all your days in a windowless garage by yourself on the floor. And sometimes you reach out into the world for help. Like that's yeah. a that's inter- That's probably a bit of a. Have you done this before? I think you have, right? You've you've sought counsel from your friends about works in progress before, right? Yeah, I I yeah. send people stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, if you need help, I know some people. You know more people than me, probably. I'm who am I? But still, I can I can help in that regard. You also got some. Uh, external help for the the mixing of the record which i believe is quite integral for you is that is that right mm yeah we i got it mixed by neil h pogue who mixed like tyler the creator's latest record and i guess a couple more of his records and like tlc waterfalls oh really a lot of synthetic kind of stuff. Is that a fair way of putting it? Like stuff with like a beat beats or or synthetic instrumentation. Is that a Yeah. That I a, mean, he's yeah. yeah, he's done a lot of like pop music and Yeah. That was That was why I went to him. I wanted this record to sound big and polished. Uh, instrumentally is does it mark I, I know we were talking about the lyrics a lot and the songwriting as being something of a departure. Um, does it feel that way for you instrumentally? I yeah, I use the synths on this yes. record, which I've I've done that before, but this was kind of more of intentional and using it as a like arranging with the synth just in mind and not using it just as a texture. But it's a yeah. it's front of it's often the top the top instrument. I make it I made it sound like the synth got a promotion. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> it is often the lead instrument is, I think, the word I was looking for. Is that is that fair? Yeah. I Yeah. A lot of the melodies were written on the synth. So I kind of used it in place of what I would usually... I would usually reach for a clarinet for to put down a melody, and I would layer the clarinets. This time, there are clarinets, there are flutes, but... I really wanted to see what I could do with the synthesizer. What do you make of what I'm about to say before I say it? I don't know why I prefaced it without just saying the question. That was weird. <laughs> That's how my mom talks. I need to talk to you about something. It's going to be really great. Just give me a second and I'll tell you what I called about. Uh, synthesizers can be creepy if they're used in a certain way. We've certainly in horror films, like Stanley Kubrick kind of films, uh, the synthesizer can be utilized uh, as a creepy tone. Mm-hmm. Does that occur to you as you're contemplating Norm as a figure? No. That you don't think of it as a creepy instrument. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about the creepy potential. 
I was mostly just <laughs> thinking that it was something I haven't really used, and it's very flexible. So, you don't find I, it a little yeah. spooky, like even a little bit. It depends how you use it, but I, did I? Do you think did I use it in a creepy way? It starts with "wasted on you," which is a remarkable sentiment for someone who. Sorry, I don't mean to mischaracterize anything. Can we agree that Norm is a stalker? I keep mm-hmm. dancing around that term. He's stalking someone, right? Yeah. What a weird sentiment to self-create this dynamic and then suggest, I might have been wasting my time. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't know if I'm misreading that lyric, but it does seem to me well, that he's the, like... The thing with this album is that and I guess you don't have like a physical copy, but they're not all no- narrated by Norm. I see. Okay. So the first song is not narrated by Norm. Oh, I'm sorry. Can we say who it's narrated by? It's narrated by God. Oh, God is a factor on. Is God a recurring narrator? Yeah. God. Have you found God, Andy? I found a a caricature of God. <laughs> do you do you are you a religious or a spiritual person generally? No. I see. I was raised religious, so Right. Yeah, you know, it's there in my in my brain, but I'm not I'm not. See, this is but I I'm regretting the fact that I I had the lyrics up on my page, but I I then I shut down my internet stuff and I, apparently I shut down the I got your lyrics as a pages document, I will tell you that, uh, which no one has ever sent me before. I'm like, do I even have, I have an Apple computer app. For those who don't know, I believe pages is like Apple's word, right? Yeah, I don't even know if it's that. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a. I, I think I have it, but it didn't. My computer is like, nope, can't open that. Sorry. And then, and then I was like, ah, I want the lyrics in front of me because I didn't. Anyway, all this to say, I feel a little clumsy because I've. I don't I don't know that I thought that that was God is all I'm getting at and I can't look at it right now. So there's yeah. an omniscient narrator is what let's put it that way. There's an omniscient narrator observing Norm and the scene below. Is that a good way of putting it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, my point was that song starts with a kind of sunny synth. But again, mm-hmm. it's that misdirection. Like it's a it's a sunny synth line. But the more I the more I've listened to the record, it it, it now has like an ominous tone mm-hmm. for me because I've gone through the record a few times, and now every time it's and the first time it started, I didn't think anything. I was like, oh, that's a nice little line. But then as I delved into the story, I'm like, Ugh. I, for those who can't see uh, me right now, I shuddered. I physically shuddered just now, and uh, so that's where I'm coming from. It's like watching mm-hmm. a. When you watch a, a, a suspenseful movie for a second or third time, it hits you different. Yeah. Because you know you know where it's going to go, but when you first start it, you don't know, so you're just like an innocent. And then, so it, anyway, it creates like a sense, it's just like a sensory thing where you're like, oh no, this, th- this isn't actually going to go very well. Um, so that's why I think it's a bit creepy. So it's my own context. You don't think it's a creepy s- instrument. I was not using it to be a creepy <laughs> instrument. Okay, All right. that's fair. You're dodging the question, sir, but that's fine. Yeah. I uh, I appreciate that. All right. Well, it's a very beautiful record. The one thing I want to hit upon with you, 
before we wrap up, and I think you've spoken to it a little bit already, but I want to tell you real quick that uh, I recently started watching, uh, rewatching. Uh, the, the, are you familiar with the television show Seinfeld? Do you know that show? Yeah, I've heard of it. It's a sitcom. Ended in the late 90s. Starred a fellow named Jerry Seinfeld. And also now, uh, anyway, I won't even get into the reassessment of Jerry Seinfeld. I'm I'm watching I'm watching no 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 no, no, no let's, not, let's not touch this okay. it's not good it, nothing's good everyone we like is not good apparently almost everyone it's really frustrating Andy I I don't know what to tell you but anyway yeah. I think you and I are okay we're good people we try to be I, good yeah yeah anyway I'm rewatching Seinfeld from around season four onward and I just end up watching the whole thing in the midst of it I decide to buy this book it's called Seinfeldia and it's by someone named uh, Jennifer Keishan Armstrong. In the book, among the things I learned, which I didn't know, even though I've been a huge fan of this show, is that uh, when Larry David was at the... Do you know Larry David has a show called Curb Your Enthusiasm? Mm Co-founded, co-created Seinfeld. He uh, was in charge of the writing staff. What I didn't know is every season, Larry Larry and Jerry would write a lot of the episodes in the first couple of seasons, but they started to bring in writers. And basically, for the duration of the time Larry was in charge of the show, because he left it... Uh, earlier than it ended, a, a season or two earlier, he would bring in a slate of writers and he would draw upon their real life experiences for storylines. Hmm. The The narrative around Seinfeld is that a lot of George Costanza is based on Larry David. But what this book and, and, and various lore reveals is that virtually every preposterous storyline from the show happened to someone. Right. So it creates this, and the and the character on the show. My daughter was just asking me this the other day. Is Jerry Seinfeld's real name Jerry Seinfeld? I said yes, and we were watching. I, am I allowed to say that I let an eight year old watch Seinfeld? Because some of it's not maybe appropriate it's pretty, for it. It's pretty. It's pretty clean, isn't it? No, it's a Jerry, lot of sex. Jerry's a, oh, he's fastidious and neat. He's tidy. Is that what you meant by clean? He's a tiny yeah, person. He's a, keeps a clean apartment. <laughs> anyway, my point is, the, the Seinfeldia as a term is the universe of Seinfeld. And what the writer uncovers is that basically everything we watch on the show that seems outlandish and weird is based on a real story. And what I was coming from was Larry David would bring in the slate of writers and not often renew any of them for the next season because he'd basically tapped out, tapped them out of all their funny, weird stories about being in a cinema or a bar or a restaurant and something weird happening. And to keep it fresh, he would bring in new people and then new lived experiences were reflected on the show. I'm wow. not suggesting you fired yourself. Uh, by by abandoning it. But is any of Norm precipitated by a fact... Like, we talked about how you haven't been around people, so there's not a lot of fodder. Does it... You going to a fantastical realm, does it feel like I'm a little tapped out? I don't know what to talk about in terms of my own self. Is there any of that there beyond you just wanting to kind of get away from these practices you've been employing? I think, yes, in that I have exhausted my my <laughs> personal life. Um <laughs> There's not much left to talk about. Yeah. I'm not saying unless you're I now start a, writing, a, unless a husk, I start of, writing a, about husk of a man, empty vessel. I feel like you have a lot of <laughs> life left to live. <laughs> yeah. There's the worry that, yeah, if you just keep writing about yourself, there's not going to be anything interesting left to uh, to say. 
And probably in trying to write for this record without like coming up with the norm idea, it was turning out to be a pretty dull record. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, to, that's really interesting about Seinfeld. I didn't, that's, that's crazy. Did you, are you I, I was being facetious. You've seen, have you seen most of that series? Have you seen that show? I've seen a lot of it. So if, yeah. as you ponder what you've seen, you acknowledge that a lot of it is almost like a cartoon. Like it's a comedy yeah. sitcom. You would not think. But it makes te- sense, you know, because yeah. those things are so relatably weird. Yes. yes. It's, I would love to know how many, how many people it took to get all of those weird happenings. Well, exactly. Like, like I say, it was a whole slate of writers almost every season. When he figured this, when Larry David figured this out, someone would just say something innocuous and it would become one of the four plot lines yeah. on the show. And it's, That's amazing. And then, and then the other side of the, the genius of the show for me is that he also figured out early it made, it was way more satisfying for all of the four storylines for the four characters to dovetail at the end. Mm-hmm. So that they all have some connection. So he he drew upon their reality. Like someone would just say, yeah, there's this guy, we call him the soup Nazi. And that was just one. And then if you think of that episode, uh, Elaine's getting the armoire. Uh, Jerry is schmoopy with the girlfriend. George is, is like anno- so annoyed that Jerry's being so uh, PDA with his girlfriend that uh, uh, he and Susan start doing it. I forget. And Kramer's involved. Anyway, what Seinfeldia, like I, I got that, I was like, Seinfeldia, what does that mean? What she establishes is, this is the universe. This is the weird, the nexus point of reality and fiction is what she calls Seinfeldia. Because as she traces all of these storylines, they're connected to real people. Often the show depicts like a fake, a, a George Steinbrenner is a char- the former late owner of the Yankees, is a real character mm-hmm. on the show. People sometimes played themselves on the show. It's quite fascinating. And so fans have really glommed on to, well, what's real? What's not? Uh, how do we figure this out? And it's just this, it's kind of remarkable um, on some level that this whole weird, and I think that's why it's still on and people still like the show, mm-hmm. is that it's just this endless universe of interconnectivity. It's what I was talking about with Heidecker, it's what I think people see in you as well. Like, is this real? Is this fantasy? Where is this coming from? This was a long way to conclude our conversation, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but it sounds like you are intrigued by what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to... uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> were, you, were, you gonna, were you gonna watch Seinfeld? Is that basically the <laughs> jumping uh, off point? Maybe rewatch it. Probably, probably not. I think <laughs> I, I think I get it. But okay. uh, uh, no. Anyway, I'm just yeah. saying, I find your art and art making interesting. I think you've elevated it again. Congratulations. Uh, you had alluded to what, how your uh, practice might have been altered by reading this George Saunders book. What's next for you? Are you working on something that? I know it's early, but are you? Can you just tell us? Are you working on a potentially already a follow up to Norm or anything else? I've been working. I kind of started a new Fox Warren record with those oh, guys right. at the yep. same time as I started this, so we're almost to the end of that. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I've been exploring more just writing without music. So oh, okay. I think I need to take a, a bit of a breather from the music and uh, see what happens with just the words. I think with my encouragement alone, you can't go wrong. I mean, I'm firmly yeah. in your corner. I think you can do that. <laughs> okay, I appreciate so, it. No problem. Touring is—I is, uh, know it can be precarious to, if even when you t- start to talk about touring, it hears you and says, "Ah, actually, nope, you're not going to go." Uh, do you have plans to tour? Yeah, we're touring in a month, starting oh. in February, middle of February, or something like that. And yeah, I think it's just gonna. Maybe I shouldn't even. Jinx it? I don't know. Maybe it's not worth it's talking gonna about. Be, it's just it's going to be great. It's just going to happen. Yeah. It's, okay. And uh, it's just any band updates? Or is the same band as the maybe the last time? It'll be most of the same people. Yeah, we're two two woodwinds, keys, bass, me, drums. It's going to be good. For the synth-led Norm songs, what's your stage setup going to be? Are you going to play synth or what? I'm going to be playing guitar. Okay. Yeah. Just, just asking. Sorry, sneak preview. Just wondering <laughs> how that's going to work because it's, uh, it's, as you said earlier, it's led by the synth. Okay, cool. Now, if people want to learn more about uh, you, Andy, and Norm, and, and your tour dates, uh, where on the internet would you direct them? I believe... They would go to andyshoff.com. You have a pretty hands-off you have a hands-off relationship with your online presence. Is that still the case? That is still the case. I'm looking to maybe try to dabble back into it this year. I realize that the internet's not going anywhere. Yes. Okay. I thought everyone would follow me into the <laughs> old fashioned ways, but apparently not. Everyone, you thought everyone was just going to call each other on their telephone, exactly, and tell them and yeah. like, hey, you should. I'm I'm going to describe a photo I just posted on Instagram. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, that's cool. All right, so uh, you're on all the things, and I'll link to those things. If there's a song uh, from Norm that we can go out on for people to uh, hear right now, Andy, I wonder if you can pick one for us, and also let us know uh, why you chose it. Um, let's go with Norm. The song Norm. And uh Yeah, I like it. That's why. It is a <laughs> the title track is often a window into an album's soul. Uh yeah. is that a fair I just made that up. I don't know if that's true. Does, does, that, does, that, does that resonate <laughs> with you? Are we gonna get a real sense of the album from the title track? Yeah, I think you get a kind of a snapshot of Norm uh lazing around on the couch. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is the title track from the beautiful and uh, potentially best ever uh, new Andy Schaff uh, album, uh, Norm. Uh, Andy, it's always a, a joy and a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for tolerating my wild questions and theories and, uh, and for being patient <laughs> with me. And uh, it's just nice to see you and hear from you again. So best of luck with everything in the future. And I hope I see and talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you, Vish. It was very fun.
stays on his side With heavy eyelids And the price is right Breathes in the world And drifts on out Losing the edges Winning the prizes And when the television silence Speaking to his dream Stop these wicked ways And I will lead you to the promised I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com That's honestly one of the most uh, fun things about doing the show is knowing that uh, maybe, hopefully, Andy Schaff will come back. We we have a nice time. I hope you felt like we are having a nice time there. Thanks again to Andy for appearing on this, the 753rd episode of Creative Control, which is 
part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you can't locate an episode that you've heard about, like one of these older times that uh, Andy Schaff has been on the show, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show and or follow the show. You can do both on Twitter at Vish Creative or you can follow me directly on Instagram and Twitter at Vish Khanna. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation uh, to help uh, compensate me for all the work that goes into making this specific podcast. $6 American or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content. Some of that is derived from extra time I spend with my current guests. Uh, some of that uh, extra stuff comes from uh, my audio archives. I dig in, I find things I think you might like, and I share them on the Patreon. Uh, often they precede the uh, podcast, this podcast, which as I'm speaking to you, I started 10 years ago. Prior to that, I did lots of other stuff. And I have the receipts. So sometimes I put the receipts up and you can dig in if you like. And uh, like, I said, like I say, that's the primary source of revenue is, uh, is, is that you people out there listening and, and donating to the show with your Patreon money. So thank you very much for doing that. If you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me at patreon.com slash creative control. Particularly if you've made that uh, $6 or more a month thing happen and i'll get you one while supplies last again flexible you can start at one level go up go down cancel happens all the time uh no offense don't feel bad i appreciate all the support and uh that's it just want to thank you again speaking of thanks thanks again to uh blackbird music amazing record store with locations in edmonton and calgary alberta which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. Also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Andy Schaff. I hope you'll check out Norm. It's an amazing record, and I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast if you don't already or follow it or whatever and tell your friends to do the same. Uh, it means a lot to uh, hear you spreading the word about the show. I appreciate all the nice notes. And I also appreciate that I have to go now. I will talk to you very soon. Be well. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.